to the final EFL preview with me, Adam Davis, here on Three Valleys Radio. Yes, it's the final week in the Championship, League One and League Two, as all three leagues are coming to an end. Of course, it isn't the end of the show. I wouldn't hang it out to dry just that quickly, as, of course, we have the playoffs to go over as well. But this will be the final week where we're taking a look at all the fixtures involving all the teams from this season. And what a season it's been, with plenty of ups and downs across all three divisions. And eventually, we will see some champions crowned. As always, you can expect the same level of insight, analysis and interviews that you come to expect every single week. And we have plenty for us to get into tonight, as of course all three leagues are coming to an end, with plenty still yet to be decided, most notably in the playoff picture for all three divisions. But before we start with that, we need to cover the games that have taken place during midweek. So we'll start with the Monday game that we didn't catch due to uh, when the show was going live. Of course, the one Monday game of Rotherham United Middlesbrough we did cover, but the other game which took place late in the evening at the same time this programme was going out, in fact, we had Blackburn Rovers 1, Luton Town 1. Hayden Carter scored his first goal for Blackburn to salvage a point against Luton at Ewood Park and keep their faint championship playoff hopes alive. Carter gave Ethan Horvath no chance with a header from a corner when it looked like the Hatters were about to record their 12th away win of the season, and their hosts almost snatched the win when Sammy Schmodix volleyed against the crossbar. Welsh international Tom Lockyer had given the Luton the lead from Carlton Morris's cross early in the second half. Rovers remain ninth in the table and must beat Millwall in their final game to have a chance of a top six finish. But even that would not be enough if West Brom or Sunderland win due to their far superior goal difference. The draw extended a run which saw them fail to win any of their last seven games in April, while Luton are now unbeaten in 13. A couple of games in League One for us to talk about as well, uh, which took place on Tuesday. So we'll start with the Tuesday game, Shrewsbury Town 2, Bristol Rovers 1. Top scorer Luke Leahy and Rob Street scored the goals as Shrewsbury Town won for the first time in nine League One games by beating Joey Barton's Bristol Rovers. Former Rovers skipper Leahy headed Steve Cottrell's side into a third-minute lead against his old club. Street, on loan from Crystal Palace, then drilled in Shrewsbury's second goal eight minutes into the second half. Bristol Rovers now go into their last match of the season on Sunday without a win in six, but for large part, Barton's team were on top. The Pirates boss introduced all five substitutes after going 2-0 down, including League One Player of the Year Aaron Collins. And, with 20 minutes remaining, Josh Coburn backed his 10th goal since joining on loan from Middlesbrough last September. Bristol piled on the pressure in a bid to rescue a point, and Collins's clever pass played in Coburn. But the striker was denied an equaliser by goalkeeper Marco Morosi's superb save. That ensured long-time playoff contender Shrewsbury won their final home game of the campaign and Cottrell's side can still finish in the top 10 if they win at Lincoln on Sunday and Charlton lose at Cheltenham. And we're going to have a back-to-back interview now. First, we will start with Bristol Rovers boss Joey Barton, followed by winning goalscorer for Shrewsbury Town, 
Rob Street. Right, Joe, fair to say we dominated possession there, didn't get the uh, just rewards, I don't think. No, I mean, we conceded after, what, two minutes from a set play, so that's, that's really disappointing. And then allows a team that's you know big and defensive to set up and be big and defensive. Um, thought we should have had a penalty. You know, Sam free, Sam's free kicks clearly uh, the, the, the hands are outside the natural shape. Um, you could see it in real time. Ref doesn't give it. I thought he should have had a red card if he brings Josh down there. He's his last man. Probably should have been a red card. Um, and lads kept playing. You know. We, we said to them at half-time, um, we needed a little bit more. We never quite got that, made the five subs, and, and I think they all picked the performance up. And um, Lads kept kept going there towards the end. Um, I think the, the, the major chance was Hooley's. You know, he's, he's, he's had a free head in the middle of the six-yard box, uh, must do better. But uh, kept scrapping away, and, and I think we learnt a lot about where we want to be next year. I think that you know we, we went with a bit more of a physical, a bit more direct team uh, today. Um, and again, you know, I think um, the strategy was to, you know, stay in the game, and, and then as it opens up, in, and um, you know, the spaces we're, we're, we're going to appear for, for kind of, you know, our, our more competent footballers. Um, it didn't quite go that way because we we can see the two sloppy goals at the start of each half. Um, but yeah, look, I, I think it's um, the lads are disappointed in there, but but again, they kept pushing, kept going right to the end, and, and you can't ask for any more than that. Pleased for Josh to get his name back on the score sheet. Yeah, so you know we, we, we've needed that, and I thought it was great play from from Scott to you know get down the line. Obviously, cross loops up off the off the defender and hits the bar. And as as all good strikers are, Josh is, is ready to pounce and put it in. So yeah, delighted for him. I felt his performance uh, today. He worked hard up there. You know, really deserved uh, getting on the score sheet. Just finally, seven hundred plus gas heads in the way end. Just a quick word for them. Yeah, superb. I said to the lads there, you know, make sure they go in and give the shirts at the end of you know to come out and. Supporters on a Tuesday night with what we've got in play, and, and at stake is uh, is a massive effort from them. You know, we can't thank them enough. And as I say, this time next year, you know, hopefully we'll be back putting them in in, in uh, a position to challenge to, to get out of this division. Well, Rob, first of all, very well played. How was that playing your part in a really hard-earned Shrewsbury Town victory tonight? Yeah, um, it was brilliant. Obviously, I think. Um, We've been a bit unlucky. We've conceded a few late goals recently, so we just wanted that win to, for the fans and for ourselves in there because we have been sort of a low low squad at the moment in terms of numbers, and um, we've been really pushing each other on. So yeah, there was definitely a big relief on that full time whistle went to. And it was some start, wasn't it, with Luke Leahy scoring in the first couple of minutes? Yeah, I think the gaffer said that, and they said like that first two minutes was probably our best start of the season. I think we came out the blocks really really quick and really um, like impose ourselves on the game today. And what about your goal? That was a special one, wasn't it, early in the second half? Yeah, no, it was, um, it was a good goal. I think Bowman flicked it down to me and then um, I saw the space on my right-hand side and I just drove and then, uh, yeah, finished a low and hard cross keeper, which is what you're always told as a striker, finished low and hard. And, um, yeah, no, I was obviously delighted um, with that because it meant that the team won, won to that. And you scored a few goals at that end of the ground, haven't you, in, in recent weeks? Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it seems to be my lucky end. Um, wish I scored a few more at the other, but um, yeah, no, it's, um, like I say, whenever I can help the team with a goal, uh, no matter where it is in the country, I'll, um, I'll be delighted. And condolences, Rob. Uh, the manager, Steve Cottrell, has told us about your, your, your personal uh, circumstances um, and going to your, your grandfather's funeral uh, earlier uh, today. Um, to go out and play like that is a wonderful tribute, isn't it? Yeah, uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I had to um, I had to go back down to um, Alpington in uh, South London to, uh, this morning. Um, 
Unfortunately, my granddad passed away a few weeks ago now, so I had to um, give him a send-off uh, at a funeral this morning. And then, yeah, drove straight from there to the game tonight. So, yeah, a bit of a manic day. I'm shattered now. I need an early night uh, for the next couple of nights. But, like I said, I just, I just, I know my granddad, and I know he would have wanted me to play tonight. And, um, yeah, I've done him proud tonight. I'd like to think so. You certainly did, absolutely. Um, when you reflect on this lone spell at Shrewsbury Town, what are your thoughts when you, when you think back over the last six, seven, eight months now? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you say, being six, seven months, that's absolutely flown by. It feels like yesterday I joined and I've got nothing but positive words to say about the club. I've loved every minute from the coaching staff to the fans to the players. It's, um, it's, a, it's a wonderful club and uh, it's been a privilege to wear the shirt for, for, this, for this season. And um, yeah, i just got one more game to go now and then um, I'll, I'll be... Uh, I'd be sad, <laughs> sad to see uh, to, to put that shirt on for the last time on Sunday. But yeah, I've been. Uh, it's been nothing but happy, happy memories at, uh, at Montgomery. Yeah, you've made lots of friends, I'm sure. Yeah, no, no, the, the boys have been brilliant there. It's um, it's a real like tight knit squad. I think because we've had that sort of smaller squad, then you look at a lot of the other squads in the league. It's been we've had to stick together through through the highs and the lows. And um, we've done that, and, and like you say, it's, it's a reflective on where we are in the league. Um, we've really stuck together throughout the whole season. And back in the top half of the table as well, which is nice, I'm sure. Yeah, are we back in the top half? Yeah, OK. Yeah, so, yeah, well, obviously we, we, we still want to finish in that top ten. Um, the manager's drilled that into us recently. We want to finish in that top ten position. Um, Obviously, we, we were looking earlier in the season whether we could reach the playoffs, but it sort of it sort of faded us a little bit over the last few months. But um, now it's like, where can we finish? If we can finish in that top ten, I think it'll be a really a positive season for the club. Oh, very well done today. Very well done. Thank over you. The season and yeah. thanks for your time. And very best wishes to yourself and your family. No worries. Thank you very much. And another game that took place on Wednesday, Burton Albion won, Cambridge United nil. Cambridge's hopes of avoiding relegation from League One took a damaging blow with defeat at Burton. Mark Helm struck the only goal of the game in a tense affair, where the visitors knew that victory would lift them out of the bottom four going into their last match of the season. But instead, they sit a point from safety, heading into their clash with already relegated Forest Green on Sunday and needing both MK Doms and Morecambe to drop points to have a chance of survival. Cambridge began brightly with leading goalscorer Sam Smith denied by a timely challenge from Sam Hughes before pulling a good chance wide from the edge of the box. But Albion grabbed the lead after 28 minutes when Helm skipped past a couple of challenges before finding the corner of the net via a deflection. Helm hit a post early in the second period, having been brought down by goalkeeper Dimitar Mitov, but referee Andy Haynes tried to play an advantage as he looked poised to award the penalty. Ryan Bennett headed a late chance against the crossbar as Cambridge sought an equaliser before Jordan Amissa produced an amazing last-ditch save to claw away Smith's goal-bound header. And with that, let's listen to Cambridge United boss Mark Bonner. OK, well, Mark, I'm sure that's a difficult uh, difficult result to digest, but what did you make of your team's performance tonight? Well, I thought we deserved something in the second half. and We had some really good chances. Um, it's either an unbelievable save... Or it's crossed the line, so uh, it's hard to tell, isn't it? It's hard to tell. Everyone at the time, definitely instant reaction. I mean, everyone that was in the box at the time thought it as well. And the, the way the shape of the ball goes, it looks like it has, but you can't. It's hard, isn't it? Um, hit the crossbar, lots of chances. I think over the course of the night, too many technical errors that have let us down. Um, little moments where we've just chipped a ball into the goalie's hands or miss it across, uh, not created enough good turnovers. I thought in the first half. 
we lacked, and we lacked. I thought we started well, actually. I thought we started the game well, but then they made the game how they wanted it to be, and um, yeah, we, we turned the ball over to Heaplin, and, and it actually was two or three turnovers in the build-up to the first goal, which took a little nick that stopped Dimi from from making the save. So always tough to go one nil down against them. Um, Six-minute board went up second half. I don't think 16 minutes would have been enough second half. But, um, yeah, we, we, we pushed and pushed and pushed. And in the moments when you try to build momentum, um, we had some. But we, it was hard to sustain that for long, long periods when the game's as slow as it is in that moment uh, or in those moments. They had a couple of moments second half as well that they might have done better with where we get broken on a little bit because we're chasing. It was a bit chaotic, really. Not as controlled as you'd like it to be, but on a really tricky surface and a really tough night to go behind against a team like that. There's not many you want to fall behind to in this league, but, but there's certainly one that you don't want to because um, they, they managed the game really well. Um, and it was a frustrating end because we felt we deserved a goal out of that. Uh, and overall, the emotion is we really wanted to go into Sunday in control of our own situation. Um, and we're not, but we are in control of the response and the performance and getting our own result and then seeing what happens elsewhere. Yeah, first half, like you said, started pretty well. A few half chances in the first 20 minutes or so, but then their goals seemed to sort of knock the stuffing out of us a little bit. Yeah, a little bit, um, because you know how important it is when you lose that. And we lost the rhythm a bit, thought we counter-attacked great and uh, had a few good moments in the first period of the game, started real well. And then we lost a little bit of rhythm and control and the game becomes a bit frantic and scruffy and everyone's losing their feet and turning the ball over too quick. Um, and we never got control of enough periods in the, uh, in the first half. So to go in behind, you know, the game's difficult, but we just wanted to spark something and try and make a, a dent in them in the second half, play with a bit more physicality, be a bit more direct with how we go. We know it's going to be a bit chaotic when that happens, but we did it and um, it gave us, a, gave us enough moments in the game where we might have taken something and enough opportunities to make more of those some, some moments as well with some poor technical errors. It wasn't a night to be bad with the ball. Um, it's a tough game to be good in with the conditions and the surface and the way they play. It's not easy, um, but we needed to be better than we were with the ball in, two, in a lot of moments there tonight. Um, and at the same time, when you do create the few that you have, you, you've obviously got to take one, and we weren't able to. Yeah, and then in the second half, there was probably that one period of the game in particular around the hour mark where it seemed like we were putting a lot of sustained pressure on that Burton goal, and you were just hoping for the 1,500-plus youth fans to sort of suck it in as those corners were coming in. We say exactly that at half-time. I think if we could have got some real momentum in the second half, our lot would go crazy, and they did, and they kept driving it and driving it, corner after corner, chance after chance, but nothing quite fell. Lots of blocks. We've hit the bar at one point. Things we've not quite turned some attacks well, but, um, yeah, loads of little moments that might might have been but weren't in the end. Um, what, what incredible backing tonight. Unbelievable number of people that have travelled to help us and, and really got behind us and I know they'll all be there again Sunday and we've got to have one last push at this and see if we can get firstly the result we need and, and hope that other things go our way but um, certainly tonight wasn't for the want of trying but we, we didn't have enough moments of quality that, that we turned our way and um, yeah, the goalkeeper's made the best save I've seen this season to, to deny us at the end. That was probably the best moment of quality, wasn't it? The ball in from Bennett, as you said earlier, a few of them went into his hands at that near post but he knew he had to get a little bit more onto it and it was a terrific header from Sam and like you said, I mean, I thought it was in. Yeah, I think everybody did, and um, everyone's half celebrating. I was halfway off down the touchline because it felt like it was just a moment that was there. Good header, good cross. We didn't make enough of those um, certain moments today. They're two centre-halves, very dominant, very good aerially, first contacts, and, and, and won a lot. 
um, and they threw their bodies in and blocked things well. And obviously, you know, we've had the same. If you can go ahead in a game, it gives you that encouragement to hold on to and you can manage the clock yourselves and things like that. And that was the, that was the tipping point, really, that we couldn't quite turn anything in our favour. So, yeah, it's a really disappointing night because we wanted to back up um, Saturday's result with another one tonight and, and take something, certainly, from the game. But we wanted to win it. Um, and take ourselves into a brilliant position on Sunday. We're not in that position now, um, but it ain't over. No, certainly not all is lost. We've got to go win a game on Sunday and see what happens. Exactly, yeah. Um, be a brilliant atmosphere at the weekend, and obviously we need other things to go our way. But, you know, we've got to do our own thing first. We have to win. Um, and if we can do that, then, then we hope that other things go for us. But fundamentally, first and foremost, we've got to turn up and get a result and then see where it takes us. So with that, that's done some significant changes to the League One table. Namely, Burton have flown four positions up to 14th with 55 points from 45 games, absolute miles away from the performances that would left them in the bottom four for much of this season. Cambridge will know this is a lot harder for them with one point away from safety with one game to go and meaning that MK Dons and Morecambe have to drop points on Sunday. Moving on to League Two now, and we had quite a belter in that one. And that finished Crew Alexander 3, Bradford City 2. Bradford's hopes of automatic promotion were ended after a dramatic 3-2 stoppage time defeat at Crew. Needing victory to maintain hopes of a top three finish in League Two, they fought back from a 2-0 half-time deficit with goals from Andy Cook and Jamie Walker. But they could not find a winner and instead gave away a penalty deep into added time when Chris Long converted. The Bantams now head into the final round of fixtures, still needing a point to mathematically secure a playoff place. Crew led 2-0 at the interval thanks to a Dan Achi double. He tore off down the left flank and drove an angled shot past Harry Lewis at his near post for the 16th minute opener. And Bradford were caught out again on the counter-attack two minutes before the interval, with Long teeing up Aji for a tap-in. But Cook headed in his 28th league goal of the campaign from Richie Smallwood's corner, before he set up Walker to slide home an equaliser in the 54th minute. Goalkeeper Tom Booth made an acrobatic save to keep out Scott Banks' effort from finding the top corner as Mark Hughes' men pushed to complete the comeback. But Smallwood was penalised for a trip on Alex substitute David Amu in the ninth minute of stoppage time, and Long kept his nerve to score the winner. And so, what I think might be an EFL first for the man, let's listen to Crew Alexander boss Lee Bell. A rip-roaring game, terrific end to it, you've got these three points. Excuse me, uh, a really good game of football. Um, I thought we gave a really good account of ourselves, I think it was important to do that. Um, for the other teams in the league as well I thought it was really important um, but I thought the boys were magnificent put some really good football together um, obviously didn't withstand everything they threw at us but near enough did um, and then um, one of the subs again has come on and made an impact and we've ended up with a penalty but full credit to the players um, we spoke about wanting to finish on a high um, and how we wanted to play and I thought it was a really good performance. How important was it that you matched what Bradford were going to come at you from quarter to eight because you knew what was at stake for them? Yeah, and I think what the, the team's developed into um, is being able to deal with that side of it better, um, particularly second balls, second contacts. Yes, the goals, again, were always avoidable. Um, but I think as a, as a collective, I think the players are, are more suited now to dealing with that type of situation. And then... You know, I, I thought we would be the better footballing team. 
um, and they managed to do that. Um, you know, the message was as quickly as you can get a foothold in the game uh, by by playing football out from the back because um, we knew how their setup would be in, in, in a 4-4-2 deeper block. Um, and I thought after four or five minutes, you know, they came and the, the voices from from the crowd, they came and, and give us a right good going for the first four or five minutes. And I thought the game settled down. Um, but I thought they were magnificent players. Terrific for you. Terrific for Damage Eye. You scored two great goals. So you're off to a flying start. Yeah, we were. Um, perhaps could have been another one as well. Um, not for Dan, um, but we perhaps could have had another one. Um, but it was it was really good football. Two assists from Longy, and he's obviously got his goal at the end. Um, but he, he's ended up in the right place as a set of forward to um, to finish that, and I thought it was a great ball down the side. He just slowed him up and then put the afterburners on, and it was a really tidy finish because there's two players unmarked in the box. So good job he scored. Well, you finished exactly how you wanted with a terrific run of results at home. You know, it's taking you up to 13th on the table. Yeah, um, we want to make this place a difficult place for teams to come. Um, We've got to develop all different types of ways of winning games at home with what teams throw at us. Um, but then we've got to play how we want to play um, within that. Um, but, but it's a great achievement to go on this little run at home. Um, and it, you know, up to 13th, I know it's the end of the season. Um, but still a real positive, isn't it? Um, you know, we give the players a few days off now and, and we'll look to travel down on Sunday to Newport and, and see if we can replicate it. Yeah, what you want now is because you've done terrific at home, you want to you make a bit of a win away from home. Yeah, of course we do. Um, obviously, the, the difficult team to play against Newport. Um, we found it tough here um, when I first, at the start of my reign when I took over. Um, but yeah, we want to go there and we want to put on a performance again. There's no pressure on the players, is there? They can go out with a lot of freedom, um, enjoy the last game of the season, um, but be competitive and let's see if we can um, pick up another three points. You're getting some real consistent performances. I know you've been talking about when we ask you what do you think has been the problem of the season, you said inconsistency, but there's finally some consistent performance coming from some of your players. Yeah, the, the best teams in the league show consistency. Um, you know, We're showing that a, a little bit too late now late in the day well, miles too late in the day um, but that's what it's got to be you've got to, be, you've got to become if you want to be challenging in and around the playoffs in this division you have to be consistent you also have to have a, a fully fit squad and players to, to choose from like we've had in the last few games coming off the bench Could have been a case for Dan and Jai to get a hat-trick if he could have penetrated from the penalty spot but he was off the pitch as well so taking over with Crush Long pressure was really on there's all sorts of things going on wasn't there but he stood calm and smashed it in. Yeah, I actually thought he gave a free kick the other way to be to, to start with, but I think Courtney might have scored and, and then he was saying, why don't you play on? Um, but it would have been some fight if Longy would have been fit for the season, he was going to take penalties anyway. Um, terrific penalty, you know, um, Dan's ran himself into the ground again for the football club. Um, he's been magni- absolutely magnificent this season um, and I'm delighted for Longy to get another goal. When I first started my business, I was hopeless at paperwork. My system involved bunging everything in a shoebox and sorting it out later, much later. Thank goodness for Chalmers Accountants. They soon put me on the right track. They work with businesses of all sizes, and they really know their stuff. Chalmers will provide you with a one-to-one service with your own personal account manager at one of their three local branches. For expert advice on how to make your business more successful, visit chalmersaccountants.co.uk and book your free initial consultation.
At A.J. Wakeley & Sons Family Funeral Directors, we know the importance of compassion and integrity. We also know how unfamiliar decisions can be so difficult at a time of family bereavement. We can provide a steadying influence just when you need it, guiding and helping you make the right decisions to reflect the kind of funeral that your loved one deserves. Visit our website, www.ajwakely.com, for more information or call Clive Wakely on 01935 479913. So, that's the reviews all done, so let's move on to the fixtures that are taking place in our final game week. Now, as this show is being recorded, one game is still yet to be played so that all teams can be on 45 games played. That is the match between Huddersfield Town and Sheffield United. You will know the result of that by the time this programme goes out, but unfortunately I don't, so I can't really talk too much about it. What I can talk about is truly how crucial it is at the bottom of the table. A win for Huddersfield Town makes it impossible for Reading to escape the drop this season, which is a real shame given that a lot of the uh, well, the issues to do with Reading aren't anything to do with playing on the field and more uh, off-the-field backroom issues. But, as I say, Neil Warnock could turn the fate of a very underwhelming Huddersfield Town side around with a win at Sheffield United. A draw is also enough as well. Basically, don't lose. So we don't quite know how that one's going to go and it could entirely uh, change how we perceive what's taking place in the championship in our final game week, which of course is going out on bank holiday Monday due to a certain coronation of a certain individual. So, we'll be all rather excited about how those games are going, but we will do a very short preview for all of the final game week, with still plenty to play for, of course, at the top of the table. So, let's just quickly cover what could change in the table this week. Of course, the top two can't change, nor can the title winner. That will, of course, go to Burnley. Sheffield United are comfortably in second position and the two top two playoff spots are also firmly set in stone. Luton will be third, Middlesbrough will be fourth. What we don't know is who's going to be in fifth and sixth. Currently sit Coventry City and Millwall. However, within one win and a very uh, still within a chance, although for some of them slimmer than others, all three teams on 66 points in seventh, eighth and ninth sit Sunderland, West Bromwich Albion and Blackburn Rovers. You have to say of those uh, most likely to be in the playoffs, someone like Coventry City seem the greatest, uh, have the greatest chance. Although they will be entertaining Middlesbrough at at the Riverside, so will be slightly harder for them. The only reason I say that is they've had three wins from the last five and one of the better in most informed teams of recent weeks, those going into the playoff picture. Millwall will be wanting to turn around things as best they can, but have currently picked up three losses in the last five. They entertain Blackburn. So, um, Blackburn are probably the only team in the playoff hunt that actually have a worse form than Millwall, and that's because they haven't picked up a win in the last five, four of those being draws. What can we say? Championship clubs loving a draw. But this isn't Preston North End. Anyway, moving on. So, very, very tough one for them as well. So, this is the main real issue, I think, going into the EFL preview, or the championship preview, shall we say, going into this week, is the fact that a lot of them are losing points on each other. What that does is increase the chances of a draw, in my opinion. And for those that aren't playing um, teams in and around them, probably stand a better chance. 
Under that uh, set of circumstances, Sunderland seem in a pretty good position here. A win for them will put them likely into the playoff picture, and they're playing Preston North End, who have not been difficult to beat at any point this season. Of course, for such a long time, they were the draw specialists at the beginning of the season. Feels a long time since I was making jokes about that. So, We've mentioned four of the five teams in question. It's only right we cover team number five, and that is West Bromwich Albion. West Bromwich Albion are going to South Wales as they take on 10th placed Swansea City. A Swansea City side who have been in really, really good form of recent late and have only only slipped in last week to push their slim chances of playoff picture uh, down the drain. Although, again, given some other teams that were in this question, West Brom included, in fact, compared to how they looked from a table perspective no less than six months ago, it'll be a really uh, impressive campaign for Swansea for that one. So that's what we know going into the picture. A lot of the mid-table will stay largely the same and they will all be very very pleased to know that they're staying in the division next season most notably probably the likes of Rotherham United and Cardiff given how close they were to the drop and have played some really poor football this season where Queen's Park Rangers if they hadn't picked up their last two wins they would also be in the mix with this but Gareth Ainsworth appear to have hit a slight bit of good form just at the right time. So, let's go through all the games that are taking place this weekend in full. So, we'll start with Birmingham City versus Sheffield United. We've also got Burnley versus Cardiff. That would have been a huge game for Cardiff if they hadn't turned things around relatively recently, with two wins from the last five there, as it seemed very, very unlikely they were going to be uh, beating the champions at Burnley. Huddersfield Town taking on Reading. That could be an absolutely mammoth game on the condition that Sheffield United, of course, uh, beat them this uh, on Thursday night, which, of course, as I've mentioned, you will know the answer to, but I don't. So, knowing that one, if they lose, Reading can turn this around. They've got a two-goal against difference, so they've got two worse goal difference, that's what I want to say, against Huddersfield Town uh, at the time of recording. But, of course, should Huddersfield lose, that will get worse. We don't know truly by how much, of course. But more importantly, a win for Reading means that they can still get out of the mess. And so they'll be very, they'll be trying their absolute utmost to survive for one more season. A really, really tense one that I certainly will be keeping an eye on on Monday night. Luton Town are taking on Hull. Luton will be wanting to go in with a good set of form, having and have done so recently. Of course, 13 games unbeaten so far, uh, and a win for against Hull will be doing rather well. Hull have been, let's say, very middle of the road this season. Not too, uh, not really pulled up any trees, but started to play pretty well under Liam Rossini. 14 wins, 15 draws, and 16 losses. Sees them squarely in 14th place. Middlesbrough versus Coventry we've already covered as we have Millwall versus Blackburn Rovers. Two teams that will be absolutely gutted with where they are in the table are Norwich City and Blackpool. Two for very different reasons. And Norwich City have been in a dismal run of form and have lost three of the last five and have not won in, won in any of those five games. And have seen 17 wins, 11 draws and 17 losses. Absolutely dismal performance, really, for a team that have somewhat prided themselves on being the yo-yo club between that and the Premier League over the last couple of years. Sometimes things don't click. Recruitment was poor, which is a very rare thing to say for Norwich City, and haven't really played particularly well. Never never looked that spectacular under Dean Smith, to the point so much so that fans were calling for his head. Lo and behold, they did. 
and Dean Smith's found himself in the Premier League, so wonders how things work in football. It hasn't really improved under David Wagner, unfortunately, and it's looked really rather ropey since January. Again, Norwich City fans calling for the man's head. Not always necessarily the smartest of plans. Norwich have been excellent over the last couple of years in terms of recruitment and their structure off the field, particularly to, to drive um, the recent strong successes of the club. And uh, I think somewhat you can understand fans getting a little bit frustrated that they effectively uh, treat themselves that they're going to do really well one season and really poorly the next, depending on which division they're in. This was meant to be a season where they were going to do really, really well. And instead, they could not be any more mid-table. Blackpool, of course, will be absolutely gutted to see where they are. Of course, already relegated with 41 points from 45 games. They simply haven't won enough. 10 wins from 45 games is not uh, is not uh, survival uh, chances, uh, survival form, shall we say. And a minus 25 goal difference is really, really difficult. They were one of the lowest scoring teams in the league, but more importantly, had the leakiest defence, having let 72 goals in from 45 games. They'll be really disappointed, but they will almost certainly rebuild back in League One and did look very, very good last time they were there, albeit I think about two or three years ago. An exciting one there, and for those of us of a ground-hopping persuasion, an exciting new ground to attend, potentially against uh, someone uh, like Exeter or anyone else that may be in League One next season. I'm sure they'll be absolutely fine. A fairly underwhelming fixture, let's be honest. Preston versus Sunderland, we've already covered. A Big game, what could have been a big game, was Queen's Park Rangers versus Bristol City. Instead, it's ended up with 15th versus 18th place. Neither team really pulling up any trees this season. Well, apart from Queen's Park Rangers, of course, at the beginning of the season. We forget back in October, they were top of the league. But it has been an absolute car crash since then. They've gone through three different managers and uh, lost a variety of problems off the field that have led to, let's say, squeaky. Uh, chances of survival but that's been okay as they now find themselves uh, six points clear of the bottom three they'll have to rebuild pretty heavily Gareth Ainsworth knows what he's doing he's a very very good manager and has was excellent at Wickham and being able to have a full summer to try and embed his philosophy could be a real breath of fresh air for QPR and they may find themselves pushing towards the top end of the table next season Swansea City versus West Brom we've covered. Watford versus Stoke, another team very similar to Norwich that'll be absolutely gutted with where they find themselves as Watford find themselves in 13th with 60 points from 45 games. A knife even splits between 15 wins, 15 draws and 15 losses in the symmetry that we absolutely adore here at the EFL Review. They will be rather difficult, uh, disappointed with how things have gone. They'll have to really question whether sacking Rob Edwards is the smart move, as of course he was in charge for ten whole games. They uh, only lost two of those ten games, I think it was, two or three, and were really pushing towards the playoff picture. I think they were around seventh at the time that Rob Edwards was sacked. Meanwhile, they've fallen to 13th, and he's gone on to Luton and sit, of course, in third position. Uh, Slavin Bilic wasn't necessarily the right signing for them, which was a real disappointment, I think, for all at Vicarage Road, which saw a lot of inconsistency. And they've brought in Chris Wilder since then, supposedly going to be turning things around. And I'm quite surprised he stayed as long as he has, given the, the fact that he hasn't turned things around. One win from the last five for him in charge. The sort of thing and the sort of form that doesn't usually keep you in the job very long at Vicarage Road. Stoke will be again rather disappointed with things. Alex Neal was brought in from Sunderland because he was supposedly said that Stoke had a bigger budget and more ch higher chances of survival. Well, 
Uh, well, sorry, not of survival, but of promotion. Well, Stoke find themselves in 16th, Sunderland in 7th. Another poor decision potentially there for the Scottish manager. Stoke have been dogged with injuries this season, have looked really, really underwhelming at times, and then went through an amazing run of form about a month ago, where they just could not be stopped. That has fully taken them away from the relegation picture, but since then they've now lost at not one in at least the last five the final game in the championship for this week, or for the final game week, shall we say, is between Wigan Athletic and Rotherham United. Wigan Athletic, very disappointed with how things have gone, somewhat uh, overshadowed by difficulties off the field. If they hadn't had their minus three points deduction, they could still realistically be in a chance of survival. Uh, I think it was for fielding an ineligible player but have also been blighted by issues off the field, which unfortunately becomes far too common for those that live in that part of Lancashire. But a rebuilding League One, of which they looked really, really good in League One, of course, two years ago when they signed some excellent signings uh, that, that made them run away with the League One title. We will have to wait and see how that rebuilds. Sean Maloney has got them playing some really decent stuff of recent late and have won and haven't lost in the last three Rotherham United, again, have picked up their crucial win just when they needed to. A big win against Cardiff City, which has pulled them away from it. And it's the first time they haven't either been promoted or relegated from a season since 2016-17. OK, so we're now going to drop back a day and we're going to go to the team... Uh, the fixtures that are taking place on the Sunday. And that is all fixtures taking place in League One. Now... We know a lot of what's going into League One. We already know who are going up. And that is two of the most informed teams you will see in the entire EFL. That is Plymouth Argyle and Ipswich Town. Some amazing points there. And a title can still be decided between these two teams. Plymouth will be playing on Port Vale. Port Vale having a fairly underwhelming season, but have, of course, were promoted last year. So to re-solidify themselves back in League One after quite some time of bouncing in and around the leagues, they'll be pretty pleased with how things have gone and have not been relegated. And that's the important thing. So Plymouth will be wanting to take the title. Unfortunately, they won't be able to win that title at home as they're away uh, to the Stoke-based outfit. Ipswich, however, are also in a similar position, but they're off to the seaside as they're taking on Fleetwood Town. Fleetwood Town sitting in 13th place, two wins from the last five, and again, squarely mid-table. They'll be very pleased with their performances, have picked up some very, very good signings with a fairly limited budget, but be really pleased to see how they go. A match that doesn't mean much to them, but they could take some great delight in defining the title challenge. Of course, the Ipswich will be absolutely uh, desperate to win. There are some excellent form, of course, have got have won at least the last five in a row, including a 6-0 thumping of Exeter City. The other game that dealt with the other important one at the top there was Sheffield Wednesday in third. They can't go below fourth and, of course, they can't reach second. They'll be disappointed given how amazing run of form they were. Of course, that magical 20-game unbeaten streak. Unfortunately, then came after a really... Uh, what came after that, sorry, was a five-match uh, dismal performance where they just could not pick up a win to save their lives. They've since turned that around and have won the last three in a row. But will intake great enjoyment. They will define the final playoff spot as they're taking on Derby County. Derby County sixth in, sit in sixth place uh, with 76 points, knowing that just a draw could be enough to turn uh, to keep them in the final playoff spot as they are two points clear of seventh placed Peterborough United. 
I've got a good friend of mine who was a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and he said he would rather have had Peterborough United in the playoff picture than Derby. So a win here is absolutely essential for the Owls. And of course, whichever team they end up playing, well, they could end up playing Derby three day, three times in ten days. We will just have to wait and see. For context, of course, Peterborough United are taking on fourth-placed Barnsley, away at Barnsley as well, and they've made Oakwell a real fortress this year. Barnsley sits, of course, fourth place, 26 points, uh, 26 wins, sorry, eight draws and 11 losses, putting themselves firmly in fourth position. They were on an excellent run of form. Has hit a little bit of uh, turbulence that won only two of the last five, but two of those have been draws. So we will just have to wait that see, but we will. It will be very, very exciting for that final playoff spot. Down the bottom, it's equally is interesting. One team that is definitely relegated, unfortunately, is Forest Green Rovers. But three of four teams could still yet join them. In 23rd place, and the most likely to join them in League 2 next year, are Accrington Stanley. 41 points from 45 games, only one win in the last five. Has seen them in a really, really disappointing um, way to end their season. But what they're doing is taking on another big team that, up to two wins ago, were also firmly in the relegation picture, as they're taking on Oxford United. 19th placed, with 11 wins, 14 draws and 20 losses. Again, if they hadn't hit form just at the right time under Liam Manning, this could have been a real problem for Oxford. So, with that in mind, and because you've heard my voice for far too long, let's have a preview interview of Liam Manning, Oxford United boss, as they're taking on Accrington Stanley. Here we go, they're getting done winning. I think it, you know, about changing and experimenting, etc. We, we might tweak one or two things, but it's not about a complete overhaul of the group and drastic changes. I think for me, it, you know, it's, it's ultimately a uh, game that whatever I do, I want to win. So again, we'll do the, the correct preparation. The lads have trained terrifically the last two days. I have to say, the, the atmosphere you can see, you know, a few lads have, have kind of a little bit relieved. Um, but then in terms of, you know, application, the intensity, the fight, the competitiveness has been excellent in training the last two days and you know, we have to make sure we train like that again Friday, Saturday and, and we're going to the game and I think you, you know, we have to have a culture where every single day we turn up, we do it properly, we you know, we max out in everything that we do and that's what we'll be doing going into Sunday. It didn't look very relieved going over the wall that you ensured your device for them. No, <laughs> not me. That's, that's, that's sure. Yeah, welcome to Chris Short's world. We just live in it. Um, yeah, I'd say sure, terrific. He does, he's, he does some of the best warm-ups I've seen. It's um, amazing. Yeah, it? brilliant. He, he's great with the lads. And again, he's, he's someone obviously he's not present on a match day, but you know the work he contributes on a Monday to Thursday is outstanding. Um, and the last thing, we will do a lap of honour. We will come back round the pitch uh, to... Usually you're doing it to say, look at us, we've done great this season. I think it's the other way around. I think that's you saying to the fans, thank you, you've done great. Yeah, definitely. It's a lack of appreciation, if you want to call it that. I think it, you know, it, for, for everybody, obviously me coming in, what, however many weeks I've done now, is probably different to, to people that have, you know, obviously been throughout the whole season and the emotional roller coaster, the challenges that, that, that people have faced at the club. So again, I think... Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, it's not a celebratory lap. It's, a, it's an appreciation lap where you know we do owe the fans a huge thank you for the support throughout the season, and especially for me in the time I've been here, the fans have been terrific. Again, it was you know Forest Green, they're outstanding. It was a I think you've seen that in the last two games, especially you know 
know you talk about it a bit, but the Portsmouth one was a mm. was a big moment, I think, in terms of like a connection between between a uh, you know players, staff, and fans, and, and you can feel that. You know, I generally felt it after Cheltenham. I felt it after. Forest Green, where you know you could see that, like I've been challenging, everybody was all in it. Well, yeah, I'm not labouring the point, but Portsmouth, we go a goal down to a team who were up towards the top, and people could have started booing or jacking it in, but they didn't. The the volume went up a notch, didn't it? That's what you yeah. needed at that point. Yeah, definitely. And, and again, I think credit credit to the fans for that game behind us, but at the same point, credit to the players because I think yeah. what, d- despite not getting maybe the wins that we wanted, what the players have done every single game, especially since I've been here, is you know, albeit Barnsley was flat. But it wasn't for a lack of application, I think, in terms of the fans have recognised that the lads have had a right go, really bought into what we've asked them to do. They're organised, they're running, they're competing, and the fans get it. They, the fans understand that. So, again, for me personally and the staff, it's a huge thank you for the support that we've had. And, like I said, let's, let's make sure we finish together on a high on Sunday. The three other teams could be on course for relegation are Milton Keynes Dons, Morecambe and Cambridge United. Cambridge United really, really struggling there. We've already covered what will happen to them. Well, they have to rely heavily on the results of Morecambe and McDonald's. Oxford United, oh, not Oxford United, apologies, Cambridge United. Goodness me, that's probably quite a big deal in academic circles. Uh, Cambridge United are taking on already relegated Forest Green Rovers. So they will have to get a win there. A draw probably, well, simply would not be enough. MK Dons are taking on Burton, a good informed Burton Albion team, of course, who have pushed themselves up to 14th. Again, already covered them. And Morecambe are taking on Exeter City. Now, Exeter, of course, for those that know me quite well, know that I wasn't originally born in the Yeovil area, but I grew up firmly around in and around Exeter. Lots of fans that are Exeter fans, and they've been rather pleased with how they've played uh, over the course of this season. Again, first season back in League One for over 10 years. Well, we've kind of gone under the radar. They've actually lost at least the last five in a row. It's actually the worst form in the uh, in League One this uh, at the moment. But the uh, the whole campaign has been defined by a few key moments, namely a 6-0 loss to Ipswich Town, which happened only last week. But we did see the return for Exeter City of a Stansfield. We haven't seen, of course, the Stansfield play for Exeter City for a very long time, following the unfortunate passing, of course, Adam, a hero for those of us of a Yeovil or Exeter and even Hereford United persuasion. His son, Jay, is destined for excellent footballing things. And of course, he's technically on the books at Fulham, but spent the season on loan at Exeter City. So, he sat down with the Exeter City media team to talk about how he's felt over the course of his loan period this year at a club oh so special to him and of course his father. And we want to see how he progresses through his footballing career, of which all of us at the EFL Review, of course, wish him the very, very best. Included within that will be a little bit of a review of that game. So let's listen to Jay Stansfield. Stano, we end the season at home to Morecambe on Sunday, the last game of your loan spell from Fulham. Sum up your time here. It's been a pretty memorable season for, for so many reasons. How, how would you sum it up? Yeah, I've loved every minute. I think um, from the first day I come in um, and we're here in the big bank taking my photos and things to sat here now in, in the ground after this trained um, and had a whole season um, with ups and downs, new managers. Um, but yeah, it's been a rem- uh, like I'll remember every minute of it and I've enjoyed my time here. Yeah, as you mentioned there, when you signed me, you know, we gave you. The fanfare that you know the signing did deserve, and 
change your manager? It was Matt Taylor that, that brought you in and someone that you knew having to work then with, with Nico, and then work and moving on to working with Gary. You know, it, it can be quite disruptive to a season, but how, how did you find that period? Um, I think it's part of, it's part of learning. Um, obviously, it's gonna be, you're going to have loads of different managers in your career. Um, if that's three in one season, I don't know, but um, obviously Matty, come, Matty was here and brought me in and I had a good couple of games with him and enjoyed my time with him. And then um, Nico came in and done a brilliant job and took over the team and uh, in a scoring form with him as well. So um, I enjoyed that. And then when the, the new gaffer come in, um, it's just been an up from there. I think he's given, given me faith and shown, shown courage in me and what I, what I can bring to the team and how I am individually around the team. Um, so yeah, oh, it's been it's been a great experience. There was a natural expectation amongst the supporters when you joined us, but did you ever feel any pressure to to succeed? Um, not really. I knew obviously there was going to be pressure with the name and things, but I think I just wanted to come here and play as much football as possible and learn as much as I can. Um, obviously, football's a long career, and this might be the last time I hear it. Might be I might be here again um, in in the future and maybe towards the end of my career. Um, but it's a, just a learning curve of coming down here and getting exposure to first-team football and being able to deal with it and take it back to Fulham and show them what I've learnt here. You found that form towards the end of February and you scored that goal in front of the big bank, which I, I know that was a big box ticked for you. Then that game against Fleetwood and, and you got that injury where you found yourself stretched off. Were you, how concerned were you at that point? I think there was quite a lot of, of concern around for your, for your welfare after that game. Yeah, obviously it's a dream come true scoring in front of the big bank obviously I used to come here as a kid and watch watch my dad do it as well and other people that have gone on to do big things um, so that was a moment that I'll remember probably for the rest of my career um, and then obviously here at Barnsley um, I hit form and scored again and then obviously went to is it, was it Fleetwood? Um, and wanted to obviously carry on scoring and finish the season on a high um, and I just got my foot caught in the ground and I was quite concerned after I tried to play on but um the, the physio staff done an amazing job and told me that this could be quite serious. Um, luckily it wasn't. Obviously I went back to Fulham and they got me scans and helped me as much as possible. Um, and then from then I just wanted to get back out on the pitch and, like I said, finish my time here as, as positive as possible. And obviously that was to come back in the derby and do what I could to help the team. Obviously we didn't get the result we wanted, but to be able to play in a local derby as big as this um, at my age and something that I've obviously dreamed of as a kid. It's, it was amazing to come back out here. And then, obviously, I picked up another legal in that game as well. Um, had a little calf strain, which probably came back too quick, maybe. Who knows? But um, I wasn't going to miss that game for anything. And then, um, obviously, we went to Ipswich, and it wasn't the result we wanted. But um, I got 30 minutes, and luckily I'm fit enough to hopefully be able to come out here and perform and put on a show on, on, on Sunday. And that final game... On Sunday, I'm imagining you're going to want to end with a goal in front of the Big Bank as, a, as sort of a, a nice goodbye to the supporters who have been so brilliant to you this season. Yeah, for sure, obviously. Um, I've got a lot of thanks to bring to them, obviously. Um, they've supported me through the ups and downs here. Obviously, like, like we went through, I didn't score for 23 games and at some places that can, that can lose faith in supporters and, um, and lose, lose faith, like I said, in... They might not back you as much and things, but here I think I've been back the whole way and I'm so thankful that they stuck by me and hopefully I can come here on Sunday and score in front of them. And as a collective, I imagine the goal as a team is, is just to not to lose another game. It would be 
a disappointing end to what's been a fantastic season if we were to lose seven in a row. It's about giving the supporters something else to cheer about and sending them home happy over the summer. Yeah, for sure. I think, obviously, we knew we were safe a couple of weeks ago and, and obviously that was the goal when Matty come in and the, gaffers, the new gaffers coming in and next season they're going to be pushing, pushing at the top and new expectations are going to be around the club. Um, but, yeah, the supporters have been brilliant. They've stuck by us the whole time. What six six defeats in a row and not not normal. We've played some big 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 teams um, at the top half. We were pushing to be in the championship. Um, Ipswich and obviously Plymouth being one going for promotion. Um, I think it's been a hard run, but the the team and individuals have learnt lots massively from it. Um, and yeah, our main aim is to come out here on Sunday and show the club, the fans, what what we're like about and go out and put a performance on for them. I'd imagine your personal goal is to break into that first team again with Fulham in the Premier League. Given we've played some of those sides, you know, like you, Ipswich, Sheffield Wednesday, who we would say are our championship level sides, you must have learned so much playing those sides that you, that you can take back to Fulham. Yeah, for sure. I think um, obviously playing in big stadiums like that and being able to, to deal with the atmosphere and deal with disappointment because obviously we didn't get the results and, and things like that. But yeah, like I said, I've learned massively just. Being here um, in general, like playing League One football, it's been quite tough, but um, I think it's been a great experience and I've, I've loved every moment here. Morecambe are, are fighting to stay in League One and they've been on fantastic form. They know what they need to do to stay in the league on Sunday and that is to beat us. How do we ensure that we make it as difficult for them as possible? Um, I think we just go out and play with freedom and, yes, enjoy ourselves, but put a performance on that's going to be professional and and help help each other win and I think we need to keep keep pushing and hopefully we can put a performance on that that obviously will give us the win. And finally there'll be a great moment to share with the supporters at full time on Sunday with, with the signing event. I imagine you'll be signing a lot of Stansfield Nine shirts <laughs> but it's almost a, a nice way for you as well to say thank you and perhaps goodbye to, to the supporters that have been so brilliant to you. Yeah for sure I think obviously I'm looking forward to the game but after just speaking to people and um, showing our support because obviously they're amazing, they follow us um, here, there and everywhere, like over a thousand nearly went to Ipswich on the weekend and we lost 6-0. That just shows what, what loyal supporters we have here. Um, yeah, and obviously it would be quite emotional for me personally as I'm obviously going to be returning back to Fulham um, and obviously the club means so much to me, so to say thank you to all the fans. Best of luck to Jay there. So, the other fixtures taking place in League One on this final EFL weekend. We've got Bristol Rovers taking on Bolton Wanderers. Cheltenham are taking on Charlton Athletic. Lincoln City taking on Shrewsbury Town. And Portsmouth taking on Wickham Wanderers. So, we're back onto the Monday fixtures now for the last five minutes as we take a look through League Two. Now, a lot of League Two, the uh, results or the outcomes of League Two have actually already been settled. We already have a title winner in Leighton Orient. We already have a second place automatic promotion of Stevenage as they return to League One after a many, many year absence. And unfortunately, we already know the team that are going down in the form of Hartlepool United and Rochdale. Something that can still be solved is the playoff picture. Stockport County can still uh, take that final automatic promotion spot off Northampton in third place. And the rest of the playoffs still are yet to be decided. In, currently in the hunt are fifth placed Carlisle United, sixth placed Salford City, seventh placed Bradford City and eighth placed 
Mansfield Town. So, all very much to play for there. We will take a look through at all the games to see how that fares. Barrow taking on Stevenage in a fairly underwhelming uh, final time there. Barrow will be excellently pleased with how they have fared this season. Of course, we're very much in the playoff hunt for large parts of this season and have sort of trailed off over the last three to four months. Somewhat understandable given the uh, limited resources seen at Barrow there. They've still done an excellent job to get to where they are. Steamage will be very much firmly enjoying their fanfare. They've already had their title procession or their promotion procession as they won at the Lamics last week. Uh, and so we'll be taking a small, inevitably small, travelling away up to Barrow and Furness. Bradford City are in the final playoff position in seventh place and will be wanting desperately to stay within the playoff picture. What they didn't particularly want to be doing is taking on champions Leighton Orient, but that's what they'll be doing down at Valley Parade. Colchester United are taking on Mansfield. Colchester have been really turned things around. The January window did absolute wonders for them. They looked really awful for large parts of this season. Some heavy investment has gone in, including some excellent signings from League One, most notably two Exeter midfielders in Matt Jay and Tim Deang. I've done some excellent things to really turn their season around. They'll be hoping to bounce back and push towards the top end of the table next season. Of course, a win for Mansfield here and other results going their way, namely Bradford losing to Leighton Orient or Salford uh, losing as well, could see them return to the playoffs. Grimsby are taking on AFC Wimbledon. Harrogate have got Rochdale. Newport County are taking on Crew Alexander. Salford will be wanting to establish their credentials for the playoffs against Gillingham. Gillingham, again, very similar to Colchester United, looked really, really uh, poor for large parts of the season. Heavy investment in January really turned things around for them. Signings the likes of Ollie Hawkins have done some excellent work for them. Stopple County are, of course, pushing for that final automatic promotion spot, and they will be taking on already relegated Hartlepool United. Sutton United, who have had some good spells this season and again slightly dropped off, in fact have lost the last six in a row, will be taking on Carlisle United. Carlisle were in a very good chance of getting automatic promoted no less than about four weeks ago, but a slight form, uh, dip in form, three draws in a row didn't help, uh, and most recently a loss, so of course only two wins in the last six, have meant they've slightly fallen off the pace, five points behind Northampton Town to be exact. But a playoff picture is almost certainly guaranteed for them. Swindon Town have Crawley Town in a Scott Lindsay derby. Of course, Scott Lindsay left Swindon Town in a fairly decent position, currently find themselves in 10th, uh, to take on Crawley Town. I think mainly uh, the argument has been made for family reasons, as he is from that sort of type of the world. So they've not been doing too well, but did manage to hit a little bit of form just at the right time. There was a very real chance they were going to be relegated for much of this season, but uh, undefeated in the last four has picked up the essential points to create an all-important four-point gap between them and 23rd-placed Hartlepool United. Tranmere Rovers are taking on Northampton. Tranmere, a very middle-of-the-road campaign, really turned things around under Ian Dawes over the last couple of weeks following the sacking of Mickey Mellon, uh, which has been done so well. In fact, uh, Ian Dawes has, in fact, been given the Tranmere Rovers job permanently going into next season. Congratulations to him. Northampton know that just a point will be enough, uh, could be enough, to uh, seal that automatic promotion back to League One after two years away. 
And finally, the two teams that I feel like I've bashed slightly more in League Two than I care to mention over the course of this season, mainly because both of them have been really naff. Doncaster Rovers versus Walsall. Both teams, for large parts of the season, have just been incredibly underwhelming, uh, despite having fairly decent budgets, Doncaster most notably. They will be uh, pleased to know that nothing has really gone too badly for them as they will go into League Two next season, hoping to completely rebuild. So, with that in mind, that brings us to the end of the EFL preview, the final one, of course, for this season. I really hope you've enjoyed listening to all the pre-match build-up with me over the last season. I've absolutely loved doing it. We'll, of course, be back next week to talk about... uh, all the playoff pictures that are taking place in all three divisions, as well as always returning on Monday to cover the EFL review. So, with that in mind, I hope you have a lovely Coronation Weekend. Thank you very much for listening, and goodbye.